the pundits are friends. Well, um, thanks for that. Uh, can you just, I didn't ask you to do that. Can you just read the bit I'll give you there on the, the, this bit here? Uh, I think you should be careful because the following podcast contains bad language. Okay, well, uh, yeah, thanks. Um, on with the show, I guess. And welcome back. It's the High Press Pod once again. It's a Monday when you're listening to this. And we are Cal and Rob. I'm Rob, he's Cal. And this week we won't be t- talking so much. Uh, it's easy for me to say. Uh, we'll be having our first guest. We are honoured to Woo. be joined by Joe Hawkins, a tower of a man, a left-sided centre-back, currently playing for Tiverdale former Worcester City player. The man's been on BBC iPlayer. Uh, and Cal, what do you make of him? Yeah, Joe's a, Joe's a, a smashing lad. I um, had the privilege of getting to know Joe over the last um, over the last six months or so, uh, probably more actually, uh, as I you know had a, a Worcester season ticket last year. And, and when Joe was there, we uh, just got talking and he's a, he's a great lad. He, uh, he's always got time for people. And um, yeah, it was a real, real privilege to have him on the podcast just to sort of get his understanding of the non-league game to, um, you know, just to talk through his career and where he's got to and, and obviously his ambitions for for the future. Um, and, and really just to get that insight as to what it's like to be a, a non-league footballer. Um, we, won't, we won't give away too much at the beginning, but it was, um, you know, an interesting conversation. Like I said, Joe's a smashing lad and we'll, uh, we'll, think, you'll, uh, we'll think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. And, and personally for me, I, I did enjoy it because it also allows you to see the human behind the the player you see on the screen the image mm. uh it's very easy to berate and to to slag these players off and say oh rubbish you know needs to be subbed and whatever but we don't always recognize there is a human there is a person behind what we see on the screens and what we see on the pitch definitely um and it is just it's, i think it was quite nice just to just to connect with another another person um, yeah, to get almost a, a, a different side to to the game from just being fans, we've got an actual player, uh, mm. which we again we are very honoured to have um, an active player uh, for a for a non-league club, um, and the the vision for us we're going to get all sorts of players, all sorts of people involved in the club from from the non-league to the top to the Premier League. We're going to get World Cup winners on. Um, maybe, uh, but you know, the, the, the only way is up. Yeah, so definitely. Why not? Yeah, absolutely. So we won't, uh, we won't waste any of your time cause you don't want to hear us. You want to get straight into this interview with Joe. So, um, take a listen. Uh, we recorded it a few days back from, from this going live. So, um, take a listen and we hope you enjoy. So uh, we're now moving into our guest segment and uh, I am absolutely honoured to say that we have the one, the only, Mr. Joe Hawkins on the podcast, the podcast, the podcast, we turned posh for a minute then, the podcast. Um, Joe currently plays for Tividale FC, previously of Worcester and a few other clubs, but we're going to delve into all that shortly. Joe, thanks for joining us, mate. Much appreciated. Yeah, no problem. Appreciate you asking me to come on and be the very first guest. It's a bit of an honour, to be fair. 
No, mate, we uh, we love it. When when we were yeah, thinking yeah, of people really to good. get on, it was it was there was only one man for us, and we thought, who's the one man who I talked to who's a footballer? Joe Hawkins. So you yeah. were the first one, mate. You were the first one. Um, well, I appreciate that. No, mate, it's uh, it's all good stuff. How how are you how are you doing in in COVID and sort of lockdown life? How's everything for you? Yeah, all good, mate. All good. This is obviously come at a nice week. This this sort of podcast because football is back. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm back till Thursday, so I see things on Twitter and social media about clubs going back tonight, which I'm slightly jealous about. However, uh, I'm sure with everything the way that we've waited for three, four months, I can wait another three days. Yeah, um, yeah, all good. You know, COVID's been a nightmare for everyone, but luckily I'm in a position where, as my job, I can work from home. So I've been working from home full time. Um, I moved into a new house back in September, so it's allowed me to sort of save money and, and do that up more so than maybe I would have if we were in normal times. So yeah. I've made the best of that situation. No, definitely. Mate. I think everyone's had a trip to B&Q, haven't they, during, during lockdown oh. and got busy with the house, especially you if you've got a new uh, a new house. Oh, mate, don't get me started. The amount of times I've been to B&M bargains, own bargains. <laughs> I said to the missus on the weekend, I should have got a membership card here, but now it's cheap anyway, but I'm sure I'm <laughs> some further discount yeah you probably missed out on about 20 quid there mate <laughs> uh, we're after that um, home bargain sponsorship as well now yeah no, yeah we'll get on to that <laughs> that's it um, so to start with um, as a way of, of way of just sort of introing the listeners to uh, the podcast and yourself of course Joe um, just got a couple of quick fire questions for you so um, this is this is almost could shape how our viewers think of you really because there's a couple of maybe controversial questions in here mm. just about life in general um, yeah. so I'm going to start us off me and Rob will take it in terms with with our questions uh, and just yeah, gonna no, fire, no. we're just going to fire through them so uh, my first question Pepsi or Coke uh, uh, all about Coke. Got to be quiet though. Got full fat Coke. Oh, mate. Nice. Oh, we'll get on to that in a minute. Go on, Rob. Okay. Uh, would you rather score a goal or keep a clean sheet? Keep a clean sheet. Mm, being a defender, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah understandable. Uh, Tivy or Worcester? Oh, at the moment, it's got to be Tivy, isn't it? <laughs> You've got, you got to say it, mate. You've got to say it. You've got to say it. Very, very good team. Lovely club. So, yeah, Tivy. Class. Uh, what do you do for a living? Uh, work as a as an occupational health account manager. So not a lot of people know what occupational health is. So if I speak to someone about it who's not 100% sure, I basically just say uh, account manager in health and wellbeing services. Nice. Okay. Class, mate. Very Sounds good. good. Sounds very good. Uh, Apple or Android? Apple. Good lad. What team do you support? Birmingham City for my sins. Oh, dear. You're going to oh get out well with Bob in a minute, mate. Favourite artist? Favourite artist or band? Oh, God. Uh, I listen to all sorts of shows. <laughs> to be fair, I'm a big fan of actually, I always get a bit in, uh, in the neck from the missus, but I do like a bit of Jason Derulo. Can't beat a bit of One Direction, I must admit. Oh, mate, fair play. That, that, mm, that, that takes okay. balls, that does. Fair play, mate. That takes balls. <laughs> it gives you pleasure there. It gives you pleasure. <laughs> uh, what car do you drive? Ford Fiesta or a nail, as it's better known. A nail? Nice. What's that? It's absolutely, a nail means an absolute horrendous car. It's, a, it's just literally, I've had it for five, six years. It's 10 years old. I hit a pothole yesterday and something's come off the wheel, so it's on its last leg. Well, mate, oh. if this podcast goes anywhere and we get a few listeners in a few years, we'll happily yeah. make a donation towards you going into I was just about to say, I hope the, uh, the income from this podcast can pay for the car. Yeah, yeah. Um, Will England win the Euros? 
Uh, they should do, but I don't think they will. England will do an England and typically bottle it at some point against a, a decent team that plays good football. Yeah, mm. quarters normally, mate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, what's your favourite food? Uh, I do like uh, fish and chips. Must admit, I do like a fish and yes. chips if you go out for me. Yes. Classic. Classic. This isn't one of the questions. That's all the quick fire ones. What would you right. have as a, like a pre-match type of meal? What sort of what is good for you before a game? It's difficult to be fair because obviously the three o'clock kickoffs. It's a case of some days if you're travelling further, you have to leave the house sooner. So yeah. I'm not one of these that has a sort of a typical meal that they stick to. But I normally just stay proper non-league way with either a, a bacon sarnie or a, a bit of a full English about 10 half 10. <laughs> and that means that I can properly digest it ready for the three o'clock kickoff. Because if I eat too too close to kickoff, I'll find I get a stitch. If I don't eat, your energy levels aren't right. So yeah, I'm a proper sort of non-league traditional English footballer and I'll say either a bacon sarnie or a full English. Yeah, I suppose like at your level, it's more about the timing in which you eat rather than actually what you eat, I assume. Absolutely. You know, it's not, you know, some clubs may do it at the level we play at, but no club that I've played at are ever strict enough to say you have a, you know, a certain diet and what you can and can't eat. You know, you're responsible enough to say you won't go out for a drink before a game or anything like that on a Friday night. But when it comes to the actual food and diet itself, it's just about making sure that you're not feeling crap by, you know, filling yourself up on the day so so you feel really sluggish. Yeah. Have you, have you ever been to a game or like starting in a game whereby the night before you've had a bit of a heavy night and you've, you've stepped onto the pitch and you think, oh, that weren't good? Absolutely. Probably. Um, Most not, weekends. Not, <laughs> not, 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 <laughs> I must admit, I used to be, before I started playing for Worcester, it was quite bad. So um, I'll come on to it, obviously, but before I played for Worcester, I played sort of step six at Cradley Town and I used to go for a bit of a drink kind of Friday night then. But I must, I always say to people when it comes to drinking before football matches, it was my first two games for Worcester that really opened my eyes to um, how much of a difference it makes having a drink in terms of your reactions, you know, how well you play, your energy levels. It's amazing how much it has enough effect if you do have a skin form an article. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely imagine so. Fair play there, mate. That's very honest of you. We like it. Um, so I've just got a, a set sort of um, about 10 questions or so that we want to ask you, but we might go off on a tangent if that's all right with you about... Yeah, no, tangent. ...and where we go. Um, so my first question, and, and myself and Rob will kind of take it in terms of questions. Yeah. So starting at the very beginning of, of your sort of playing career, um, what what made you fall in love with football, basically, for you to, to become, you know, a, a sort of a semi-pro as you are? Yeah, no, so for me, it was um, when I was young, as, you know, most lads our age or most lads do in general, their dad drags them down to football. So, you know, I always had a keen interest in it. And like I talked about earlier, for my sins, I'm a Birmingham City fan. Um, and my dad used to take me and my twin brother down to the football quite regularly. So that mm. sort of comes into it because it's, it's a bit of a family tradition, obviously, especially for my family. You always follow really who your dad supports. Some families break away from it, but in my family, he'd stick with that. So my dad was for his dad, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, so we used to go down to the Blues quite regularly. Um, we, me and my twin were quite proactive anyway. So it was a case of we watched football up until the age where we became old enough to play it. So when we were about seven or eight, I can't remember exactly what, um, we signed up to play sort of a kids Sunday league football standard, um, as you do. And we and it just went from there, really. And as I say, the fact that I've got a twin brother um, made it easier because there's always someone to play with. So, you know, it, it's difficult growing up on your own, I would imagine, if you want to get out and kick a ball, if you haven't got someone to do that with. But having a twin brother enabled me to always have someone there. So if I wasn't playing for the Sunday League team and training, 
me and Will uh, were out on the roads playing, you know, heads and volleys, one bounce, whatever it may be. Yeah. So it really just went from there. Class, mate. Now, I think me and uh, me and Rob in, in the episode that was released today, actually, we, we sort of did a bit of an introductory and we spoke about like how our love for football started. And like for, for me personally, um, you know, it just comes from being taken to that first game, doesn't it? And then you, you, you get wowed by like the atmosphere and obviously what's happening on the pitch is almost like it just wows you, doesn't it, a little bit. Um, Absolutely. I, I mentioned to, on, on the potty that was released um, today, our introductory one, that Football stickers is a massive one for me because, like, you get bought these stickers in the news agents and you get mm-hmm. the book, and you find yourself sticking in these players who ain't got a clue who they are. But then all of a yeah. sudden, when like someone scores and you go, oh, "I've got his sticker" or whatever, it's just it's like the little things that make you you make you really fall in love with it. Absolutely, and things like the um, the Panini sticker books, like you just said. So I had one for even the Euros of the World Cup about six, seven years ago. Yeah. And I remember becoming that obsessed with it. It cost me an absolute fortune. Oh, man, they're so there. expensive. They're yeah, so yeah. Expensive. You're filling the book and you need one sticker to fill certain teams. You're buying packs and you're not getting them. So I'm yeah. that sad. <laughs> I found myself going on online and going on these trading sites where you can search for certain things, send one off, get yeah. it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then for me, another thing is um, I play a lot of football manager. So the computer That's... game football manager, I must admit, from and this was through my dad as well, from the age of 10, 11, however old it was when I was able to use a computer and understand how to use it. I've played football manager religiously and my knowledge of football, non-league, you know, lower leagues of football has come through just playing that on a yearly basis. Every time it comes out, I buy it, get it on the laptop, spend hours on it, love it. Yeah, no, I'm the same. One thing I will say, this is a bit of like a weird a weird fact about me. So because of football manager and because of FIFA and all these games you play, I've got like a ridiculous knowledge of squad numbers which is really, really strange. So like, I could tell you, like, someone's squad number from, like, I don't know, probably like the Birmingham 2010 team or something. It's a really, really weird trait that I've got, but it's because of football manager and FIFA that I know them because I've spent so much Yeah, absolutely. I can relate to that, to be fair. I'm not going to say I want to challenge you and we'll have a, a, a game. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, that Let's not have that, it. mate. <laughs> yeah, I can relate. Class. The, um, I've got the same thing for for flags as well. When you see all like the national teams and everything, yeah, you see them yeah, on stickers yeah. and on on FIFA football manager and things. Um, I'm usually quite good at telling flags now. From, from that'd be one that I'm interested in having a challenge because I'm really really good with flags. My, if I okay. if I have a quiz round, my specialist round is always flags. There's not many I don't know, and it's always like the the you know the little countries in and around the continent of yeah, Africa. Yeah. Yeah, the whatever it may be that I just familiarise myself with. So at some point, we'll have to get it sorted where we have okay, to do, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that. Oh, Battle man, that'll of the be Midlands. <laughs> Battle of the Midlands. Yeah. Battle of the Midlands. <laughs> I think football has, has allowed me to ha- like have a progression in geography because of the mm. nationality yeah. of players. Yeah. Like, yeah. Geography True. was fifty percent football for me. <laughs> and uh, and uh, names as well. I'm, I'm usually quite good at if someone has. Um, you know, sort of a type of surname. Uh, usually quite good at matching them to the country they're from or yeah, originally, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, through obviously seeing all the squads and watching hours and hours of football. Yeah. Mm. So, good, good for the old geography. You can hear a dog barking in the background. Unfortunately, <laughs> I won't edit that out, but there we go. Um, Rob, hit us, with, hit us with another question for, for Mr. Hawkins. So, uh, Joe, um, do you want to tell us how you got scouted and who is it by? Yeah, so um, my Saturday League football sort of experience and career, if you like, today has been slightly different to 
to most that play at step five or, you know, non-league football in the respect of I've not been around for years and years. You know, I'm 27 years old. 95% of the people you speak to that are 27 years old that play at step five have been playing since they were 20, 21, maybe even younger. Um, my experience, because I used to work in retail as, as a college student and up until I was about 23, 24 was, was working weekends. So I wasn't used to having sat this mm. myself. Um, so it all started for me. I've, I've played Sunday league football throughout. So Sunday league football is something that I've never given up on, um, and that's helped me keep to it. You know, to a degree of fitness. Nothing to what you need on a Saturday, but it keeps you ticking over. So I've always done that. And then about three or four years ago, I just thought to myself, you know what? I thoroughly enjoy playing football. I've got the time now. I don't work at times to the left to move on to another role. Um, I'll give my give it a crack at Saturday league football. So I just I can't remember how it came about. I think it was just a case of on social media. I saw that the certain managers were asking for players come the end of the season. So I ended up going to uh, a team that play in the mid-com division two at the moment. They're called Barn Green Spartak. So I I went there for training. Um, you know really overwhelmed even though it's mid-competitive too they've run it really well it's amazing the difference in Saturday league and Sunday league the setup the structure etc so um, I played there with a couple of mates from the Sunday league team I played there for about a year and a half thoroughly enjoyed it um, GJ Singh the manager was there he's run it for years and years and he's a really nice bloke you know, puts a lot of time into his players really pushes them to progress so I spent a couple of years there um, and then out of the blue, I just had an opportunity to go in to a, to a training game for Cradley Town. So it was probably around January 2019. So I went over and had a bit of a training match with a couple of lads I was playing with at the moment. Um, and after that training match, the Cradley manager, I still speak to uh, Chris Butts at the time, just sort of pulled me and said, look, I like what I see. Do you fancy coming over? Um, so I had a few training sessions there and then ended up moving over to Cradley to play football for that season from January onwards. Mm. So I finished the season at Cradley, which obviously May, June time. And then pre-season came back in the, the June, July and Cradley actually played Worcester City in a, in a pre-season friendly. And I'll, okay. I'll never forget, it was, in a, it, was, it was about 30 degrees and it was on a Wednesday night. And I literally, I'd been on a lad's holiday to Bulgaria for 10 nights and I came back on the Tuesday. Oh, and they no. had the Wednesday to try and recover. And as I say, it was warmer over in than it was in Bulgaria, mixed right. with the fact oh. I was walking quite a lot. Um, so I felt horrendous on the Wednesday. And as I say, we had Worcester in a friendly on the night because obviously people were working, etc. So it was an evening game. Um, and I, was, I, I must admit, I was buzzing for it because obviously at the time, I wasn't big on the non-league scene. My knowledge wasn't amazing. And Worcester City tradition for a big club. So at this point, I was captain of Cradley and we, had a, we, we played a friendly and the game played out. We drew 1-1 one, one in the end. And I remember it distinctly because um, Worcester absolutely battered Cradley. When I say battered, I mean literally, I was centre-half and I was absolutely unruggy because Dimmy Brown was playing. Um, he played in the first half. Luckily, I managed to keep him out. He didn't score, which was great. He went off at half-time and then Jordan Harrison and Tyrese Ruddock, they all came on and obviously good footballers have yeah. been around for a long time, know their stuff. And at the time, you know, I was new to Saturday League in a, in a respect to that standard. So it was really tough and we, we kept them out for ages and then there was a mistake. One of the lads at Cradley made a back pass that was short and I think it was um, Jack Downing. He was on trial at Worcester at the time. He nicked in behind and managed to score and it finished 1-1. But it was one of them that, you know, it, it was 1-1, but I was happy with it because it should have been 21, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Um, had bodies on the line. So after the game, um, Ash Vincent, obviously, he was, the, he was the manager of Worcester at the time. He just sort of sounded me out in the, in the clubhouse after we'd had showers, etc. 
and just said, you know, what's your situation? And I was just like, look, I've said to Craig, I'll play here. Um, but of course, I'm interested. So it, it went from there, really. Obviously, Ash then, you know, invited me to come to training. Um, and it all happened quite quickly. Within a week, you know, a week of me signing for Worcester, we were playing on the on the BBC iPlayer against Hever St John's away. Um, wow. And that was the debut. Wow. So it all happened quickly. And then obviously the rest is history, as they say. I spent a year or so at Worcester. And then here I am now. So it's a case of, you know, just being seen in a game and I played against a step five team, which has allowed mm. me to sort of move into this, this level. No, that's class, mate. That's really so good. How, how does it feel to be um, to be recognised? Like you just played a match and then you get pulled aside and say, you know, listen, you know, we like, we like what you're doing here. How, how does that feel for you? Yeah, you know, it feels good. Yeah, yeah. Anybody, you know, whenever we do anything, whether it's football or, or other sports or work, you like to be good at what you do. And if you've had a good game and you're recognised by a manager of, you know, Ash's quality, really top guy, Ash, got a lot of time for him. He was obviously an ex-pro himself. Mm. So he obviously knows what he's looking for when it comes to footballers. So to be sounded out specifically by him, um, I, you know, I took a lot of pride in that. And it obviously told me a lot about myself in the respect of I had the potential to do it. So, every, you know, every footballer will say to you they like being sounded out by managers. You know, you like having managers ringing you and asking what you, what your situation is. Are you interested? Because if you're being honest, it's good for your ego. You know, as much as you don't want to get mm. carried away, it's quite nice to know that you've been recognised for doing a good job. No, um, so it does make you feel good. It does make you feel good, yeah. Nah, class size. That's nice, really good. Nice, nice. So, like, I'm going to merge two questions into one here. So, yeah, yeah. So obviously, as a as a younger lad, did you have like someone that in the pro game that you looked up to and you're like, I, I want to base myself off that, you know, the way that they play, and that's yeah. And, and also, did you have did you sort of know from a young age that you was going to be this this tall dominating centre back, or was there ever like a question as to another position that you'd play? Yeah, so it was obviously as a kid when you play football, the formations are different. You don't go into 11 aside, so I can't remember the age at the moment, but you only play with effectively two defenders. Yeah. And, not, you know, I'm nominally left footed. So when I was a kid at the Blues, my idol was Martin Granger, who um, he was a left back at the Blues. I just nailed was one of these that really, really, you know, would, would put it in and leave everything on the pitch. Mm. So I sort of just took my inspiration from him. I remember I was a mascot, Blues against West Brom at the Blues. Uh, Blues won 2 0 at the time. Martin O'Connor and Dee Addy Bowles scored, I can't remember who. It was the likes of Rule Fox, who was the captain of West Brom, so it was back in that era. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was meant to run out. I was meant to be out in the tunnel with Martin Grange, but he got injured, so I ended up running out with another player. Um, and I'll never forget it because I was, as I said, I was about 10 at the time. I had these bright red boots on that my mum and dad had bought for me from Woolworths, and he, he sort of complimented us and my twin brother on the fact we had these bright red boots, so he stuck with us forever. Um, and my brother was a massive fan of Darren Purse, so it, it sort of worked hand in hand. And at the time, I sort of growing up, I sort of I moved towards left back. So I played left back at the time as I was growing, because believe it or not, I was never always one of the tall lads. So it okay. got to the point where I, I sort of had a growth spurt when I was about 16, 17. So the different we finished year 11 at school, so we we're about 15, 16 when you finish. Going back then for college. That was when I hit, I hit the growth spurt. I genuinely put on about a foot in about six wow. weeks. So at that point, um, that's when I sort of became taller. And it's, it's mad because obviously when I'm playing football against people, they say to me, oh, you know, you're on the pitch, Mark the big man, 
big ginger bloke, whatever, you know, all the all the crap that comes with football, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, but to me, I don't see myself as that big. But then when you see photos of you playing or, you know, you see photos of you lining up with other players, you just realise that I am that bit taller. And obviously it gives mm-hmm. me that area of advantage. So um, I, I, I played predominantly left back uh, and then slowly moved towards centre-half because if I'm being honest, obviously I'm not one of the quickest. I've got long, long legs. But I could not see myself bombing up and down that left wing, so centre half suits me down to a two. You probably could have made it as a left back if, if Tony Pulis was your manager, because you know what he was with the full back. If they were absolutely hum- you know lumping it to me, um, <laughs> I didn't kick it all day. I'd have been a, a great left back. But the idea <laughs> of these wing backs now and these different formations where they're basically mm. attackers. This day and age with football, if you look at the best wing backs or the best full backs, they're all going forward. So. Yeah. Yeah. Our Trent Alexander Arnold, for example, brilliant going forward, not the best coming back. So it's almost like the position these days is is as much as they're in the defence, if you like, is to attack. So it's certainly a position that wouldn't suit me. So yeah, happy playing centre half for as long as I possibly can. What well, one final thing I'll say on that question is as well, um, is that it's quite rare as well to have a left footed centre back. Um yeah. like if, if we if we talk in extreme, like Pep knew he needed a left-footed centre-back at City and brought in Laporte. Did yeah. you feel that being a left-footed centre-back works in your advantage a little bit? Yeah, it does help, to be fair, because um, obviously your traditional formation is 4-4-2, and like you've said, 95% of centre-halves are right-footed. So if I can do a job at centre-half and be left-footed predominantly, which I am, hmm. um, it means that you know I'm more likely to get in the start and 11 than others. But the strange thing for me is... Um, the centre-half I played for Tiri at the minute, Matt Hunt, the captain, he's right-footed but likes to play on the left-hand side of the centre-half, so I'm happy to play on the right, but, but as, you, as we've talked about, I am predominantly left-footed. And now, with all of these different formations and the way the game has changed, teams play 3-5-2, 3-4-3, whatever you want to look at it. So I spent the majority of my time at Worcester playing in the middle of the back three, so yeah. you still had a centre-half to your left and your right, so it was a case of the team that you play, you know, the teammates you play with no strengths. They were aware that my right foot is predominantly there for standing on. I'm not going to try anything stupid. Um, but, yeah, being that left-footed centre-half, I suppose it does give you a bit of an advantage. However, you know, you do get at step four of these centre-halves. It doesn't really make a difference. They're strong with both feet. If they're left-footed, they can play on the right. And if you're right-footed, you can play on the left. So I wouldn't say it gives me an overriding advantage because, you know, there are centre-halves out there who play on the left of the back four who are certainly stronger than me. Um, mm. But it does give you a bit of a, a, a bit of a uh, opportunity to then pursue and, and cement yourself in that team. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, very how good. how tall are you, by the way? Um, if you were, I'd say about six three. If I'm honest, I've never really sort of measured my height. Um, okay. But yeah, I'd say I'm about maybe just a bit shorter than six three. You look a lot taller than that on the pitch. I, I will, we'll come to this game in a sec, but when. Um, when we came down to, to TV, the, the back end of the season just gone, um, yourself obviously at the back with with the captain of TV, it was like it was like a wall back there as a Worcester fan watching it. It was like you yeah. and you, I, I don't know the guys now when I just mentioned it, sorry, I forget, but yeah, you, that's you, right. Captain, he was like you two together. I was just saying before um, you came on to, to Rob that it was like it was like watching Nestor and Van Dyke just <laughs> come together playing a one off game. I'll hold you to that forever. No, please do, mate. Please do. It was very frustrating, but I was also can, uh, very pleased that you were playing well. You can well. quote him on that now. That's from a podcast he said that. 
Absolutely. <laughs> you can't delete that. <laughs> so I've got it to refer to. If ever I've had a bad game, I'll listen to it. I'll know coach back or trip back. Exactly. And that'll just reassure me for the next game. But yeah, you're right. You know, uh, Matt Hunt is now good our captain. Great. Um, what would you say are some of your uh, career lows? I've got a lot of time for him. And he made me feel really welcome when I joined. Um, I was that lows? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, what would you say you are, your career uh, lows and highs are? It's it's a difficult one for me because obviously I've, you say career and I have played for a couple of years, but I've not really had um, the distinguished career, career where I've played full seasons. Um, yeah. The team I started with, Midcom Div 2, they were a, a very much a mid-table team pushing for the sort of top half. So there wasn't any sort of accolades or cups. It was not like we were getting to cup finals. Um, same with Cradley, if I'm being honest. And, you know, they may hate me for saying it, but they were a, a mid-table team. We had some very good players in that team. But they were, again, a mid-table team who would do well to get to the immediate quarterfinals. So it's difficult, really. And, it, and it's, it sounds strange, but my high and low, have probably both come in the same game. So I briefly touched on it earlier, and it was my first game for Worcester when we went away at Heaton St. John's on the, the Saturday in the bank holiday August, and it was obviously on the iPlayer. <laughs> so to be on the, the BBC iPlayer for you know representing a team like Worcester City with, with how historic it is, mm. um, it, it's brilliant. You know, it was absolutely amazing. But the, obviously the low point was we lost. Yeah. So for me to go there, um, and I distinctly remember it again. It was another hot day. I've never played at Heaton St John's before, and whilst it's miles away, it's a lovely ground. It really is one of the best grounds I've played at so far, um, based on setups, surrounding area, etc. Um, and it was a tough game. You know, it was it was my first game in step five football. As I say, Ash sort of me signing from Cranley to Worcester happened really quickly. I trained with the team on the Monday and the Thursday, uh, and he told me on the Thursday after training that I was going to be thrown straight in. So. It was it was difficult and it was it was a, it, I loved it you know I, I think if I remember right after about five minutes I could have scored so there was a long throw in that I ended and it, it finished it missed just wide um, but it was a real tight game as games against Heaver always are and, and Lansley's sides are um, but they they beat us one 0 and in the end it was a, a frustrating goal to concede because it was Ted Cameron's in goal the, the lad from the baggies who was on loan at the time because okay, uh, Dan yeah, yeah. Jezza or injured um, and we all you know we were prepared for a goal kick. We turn around, he told us he was going to lump it long and he's hit it quite short. So all the defenders have stepped up. Their lad, Kieran Clark's intercepted it, run down the left-hand side, knocked it in. And I remember towards the end, we just sort of lumped it. And, and towards the end, five minutes to go, Ash game in the night to go up and be the target man, which was real surreal for me because I've signed as a step, step five footballer for the first time to play centre-half and I'm then playing up front. <laughs> so it was it was a great one but as I say in terms of highs you know playing on the odd player as much as in, in the FA Cup as well obviously it's a tournament yeah, that, yeah. that every non-league footballer wants to play in whether you're playing in the first preliminary round the quarterfinal whatever it may be you can say you're playing in an FA tournament so yeah I'd say that that day um, for both uh, high and low class mate so um, so is there a, obviously you've played with a, a few players um in, in the clubs that you've been at. Have you got a player that you look back on and you think, like, he was probably the best player that I've played with? Yeah, so this if someone's asked me this before previously and I've, I've given them two answers and I'll talk to you about them both. So the first one is technically wise. So there's a lad called Kieran Day 
and okay. he's now playing for Redditch United in Step 3, and he's he's absolutely smashing it. I speak to him quite regularly still. So when I first joined Craven, he was there, um, and he's he's a couple of years younger than me, I think. I'd say he's about 24, 25. He might be slightly older or younger. Mm. Um, and he was, as a kid, he was at the Baggies. Away. He was at the Baggies for years and years, and I remember talking to him at training when we were at Cradley, and he'd tell me stories about he was in the same sort of age group as Romain Sawyer's, Kemar Roof, uh, okay. and sort of character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, obviously it didn't work out for him at the academy. They, they released him and he's, he sort of floated around on league for a bit. And he was at Crowley because at the time it was a big group of mates, competitive, but a group of friends, so I'll get it. And mm. I'd, I'd see him at training. Obviously, I was new to step six at the time, which is what Crowley played. And there was stuff that he'd do at training that I'd just, I'd just absolutely sort of stand there in awe. You know, it just seemed that he could do everything with the football and he'd take that regularly into games. So, you know, he'd be playing in centre midfield, he'd be playing in front of me, and it would be a case of, only if I gave him the ball, he would make something happen. Um, and, he would, you know, he'd say the same. I think it was fair to say that at the time, he just needed to add more goals to his game. So he probably wasn't being as noticed as much because of the fact that he didn't score enough goals from attacking midfielder. Yeah. But his first touch, his delivery... Everything about his game is phenomenal, and that's obviously led, sort of mentioned earlier, to him to now play at step three. Mm. So he's obviously made that jump from Crowley to Redditch. And, you know, I, I follow a lot of non league football here, a lot of podcasts, and I speak to him quite a lot. And it sounds as though he's doing really well there. Um, and he seems to have made a real name for himself. So, from a technical perspective, I would say Kieran Day. From yeah. a, a learning perspective and an experience for myself, I'd have to say uh, Jonah, so Craig Jones at Worcester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still club captain. Mm. Um, he took over the reins when Ash left last, towards the back end of last season and I saw on social media that he's now been appointed as part of the coaching staff. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, great move from both him and the club. Um, and he's obviously, you know, he's got a lot of experience. He's played non-league football for a lot, lot of years. He was captain at Bromsgrove Sporting when they climbed the leagues from step, step six That's to seven. That's where I know him from. Yeah, I know yeah, Jonah. Yeah, from Real Bromsgrove. Um, I, you know, he climbed three or four different divisions and he captained them. Mm. Um, so, you know, to play alongside him, and not just to play alongside him, but to see his mannerisms, see the way he trains and applies himself, because obviously he boxes as well. So oh, he does that um, He's sort of like a semi-pro boxer. He's in wow. phenomenal shape for his age. You know, I think he's around 30, 31. He might be slightly older or younger. Apologies, Jeremy, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, you know, he keeps himself in good shape. He does the right things. He's very disciplined and he certainly leads from the front. So in the aspect of, you know, learning things, positional wise, experience, what you should, shouldn't do in games, game management, he was the best for me to play alongside. And I'll always say that, as you know, technically... There may be better centre-halves out there at higher levels, but from what I've seen at step five um, mm. and what I've played alongside so far in my, my short-lived career, he's definitely up there with the best. I think it says a it lot was... as well, doesn't it? Sorry, Robert. I was just going to say that it says a lot as well when, obviously, Worcester had a troubling season or two, mm-hmm. haven't they? And they've, they've turned to the club captain. And, and I suppose that's maybe a normal thing to that level, but I think it still speaks volumes when the chairman comes in and says, look, mate, like... We know you're a leader here. And then consequently, Worcester's form improved whilst results were probably still a little bit, mm, like you could tell the performances mm. were, were getting back to, to a level that they should be. Absolutely. And, it, you know, it speaks volumes for the level of respect that he's got at the club. Yeah. Um, and not just from the, the players that currently play. And obviously anyone that you play, you speak to, play with them at Bromsgrove or other clubs, all say the same thing. And he's, you know, he's earned that respect through through what he's done and what he's achieved over the last few years or the years that he's played in non-league football. So like you say, you know, he, he steadied the ship 
he did a phenomenal job. I only spoke to him as recently as maybe last week, and he yeah. was saying that you know he's not yet ready to hang his boots up. He feels that he's, he's still got fire in his belly. He's still got a lot to offer on the pitch, which he certainly has. So, much as he's he's taken that first team coach role on, he's still got a massive part to play at Worcester on the pitch. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, yeah, he seemed quite a standout uh, player Uh, when I went down and watched a few few of the Bromsgrove games. He was always, Mm. always kept an eye on on his performances. Um, Yeah, so I can see how he he would be one of the the better players, yeah. Top bad, Um, yeah, top one. Yeah, yeah. so, what was the uh, what is your aim uh, playing for Tiverdale? Would you say uh, your personal and collective goals? So, for me, um, my aim is obviously to just sort of put in consistent performances, um, not necessarily make a name for myself because I'm not one of these egotists that you know wants to use the club as a as a stepping mm-hmm. ladder, a stepping stone, or a ladder. I just want to sort of get myself in at the club, um, make myself familiar with the, the people and obviously the way they play. And just make sure that I'm doing the best I possibly can. You know, it's a case of at step five, certainly, you are judged on your performances. There's no given to say that you're going to start any game. There's no given to say that you're going to be the first name on the team sheet. Each manager does it differently, but they all do it towards the same end goal. They want to win. So from my perspective at Tivy, it's just a case of, um, you know, enjoy my football which I certainly am doing at the moment or was doing before lockdown. Um, get back to having a, a good group, you know, a, a good crap with the lads. The, the social scene at Tividale is phenomenal. There's a little club there. Uh, it's obviously not a massive ground and a massive club, but mm. the little the, the bar that they've set up, they've done the, the renovation that's happened there. Um, it's a lovely place to have a, a drink afterwards with a couple of the fans or the lads or whatever it may be. And, and you know, before I joined Tividale, they were always known as a very difficult team to beat. It was always the ground or one of the grounds. That it's that pitch, really isn't it? It's slants. That pitch slants, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's <laughs> one of them grounds and the way that they've planned. You don't want to go there on a wet Tuesday night because yeah. teams yeah. don't fancy you know, a long day at work, eternal. You know when you play against a team like Tividale, you're going to be you're going to be ratted all game. It's going to be physical. They're going to kick lumps out of you because they all graft for each other. They do the thing, you know. They do the ugly things right. They get on the back of the ref if they need to. They back each other up. They'll die on their sword for each other. So that's the sort of you know club it is. And, and at the moment, that's perfect for me and what I need to enjoy my football. And I think the aspirations of the club are. Obviously, I don't know the ins and outs of the exact history of Tibby, but I would, I would say that this is probably the, one of if not the highest, one of the highest levels I've ever played at. Yeah. And, you know, up until lockdown, we were doing really well. We were about sixth or seventh in the table, um, a few hiccups with a few different results. But actually, um, we were getting to a position where we really thought we could push most of the teams. You know, you've got your, your better teams in the league that you always come up against and you look forward to playing. But Tividale, obviously, what they don't want to do is, is be a yo-yo club that go up from step six and come down from step five because before I joined a couple of years ago, um, they absolutely trounced the West Midlands League. Uh, they trounced the Prem. And obviously the step up from that to step five, in my experience, is quite is quite vast. So there's obviously a difference. Although it's only one step on paper, the standard of players and the seriousness of the, the situation in the league, it's a lot different. So they don't want to be this yo-yo club, but they're certainly moving in the right direction. Dave King, the manager, he's been there for about five years. Um, and he's got lads that have been there with him for five years, and they're really looking to push on as well. So it's just a, it's just a well-run, nice club, and obviously at the moment it's local for me as well. So yeah, no, it's class, mate. That's really good. Like I, I live in Tivy, so it's always a tough one for me when I see mm. you playing for Tivy, and then I'm a bit of a Worcester fan. Yeah. 
bit torn, but yeah, no, it's class, mate. That's really good. Um, so just backtracking, um, one one or two years maybe. So, um, obviously you, I got a season ticket for Worcester at the start of the season, just gone. Um, despite yeah. a few games before that, and I think you started the season, didn't you? And you started alongside Jonah at the back. Um, and then there was that game, obviously that uh, you probably won't want to talk about, but it's quite ironic as to where you've ended up now. I know um, what you're going to say. You know what I'm going to say. So the, the game against TV <laughs> at Clayton's Lane. Yeah. Um, so obviously, um, you probably won't mind saying that you made a mistake which led to, to TV scoring. Yeah. Um, so then you you left the club later that month, I think, on loan originally to go mm. to TV. Um, you stayed mm. there for probably a couple of months and then they opted to sign you permanently. Talk mm. us through just that period from that. So obviously, you started the season with Worcester, you're in with you know, the, the, obviously the manager's picking you. You've made a mistake. You've been you've been dragged out the team. Then you're out of the club on loan. Um, and then obviously, Tiffy, have, have, you know, have got you permanently. So just talk us through that mm. that sort of season. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it was difficult because, like you talked about, you know, I sold in the season before, sort of halfway through, three quarters, or a quarter of the way through and played three quarters of the season before he got cut short last season. Um, and obviously, I was a bit of a regular, so I came in. Um, did well, and obviously Ash then, Ash Vincent at the time, the gaffer, he stuck with me, um, so I played regularly, so I got used to obviously being in the routine of being in the team, working hard at training, etc, etc. Yeah. Um, that season finished, came back to the start, this season just gone, has been null and voided, um, and it probably started from me not helping myself in my in terms of going away on holiday in pre-season. Mm. So, obviously we'd been in a lockdown scenario, everyone was chomping at the bit to try and get away or get a break somewhere. And I'm lucky enough that my missus' dad owns a, a big house in a place called Saundersfoot, which is in Wales. I've been, mate. I've been. So, lovely. Uh, yeah, lovely neck of the world. Lovely neck of the world. Lovely world. So, yeah, um, yeah. Mid, mid pre-season, we played a couple of... Obviously, we, I was there at training. We trained. Um, we played a few friendlies initially. So, we started against sort of step three clubs. So, we, we played against Old Church away. Um, we then went to Stratford, um, played Stratford. And then we played Redditch away, all in the space of a week. And I remember after the Redditch game, I, I, I drove straight to Saundersfoot, which is about four hours. So I drove there um, and I was in Saundersfoot for about two weeks. So I missed a significant part of the pre-season fixtures. I, mm. um, we were meant to be playing Bromsgrove Sporting at the time, but that got cancelled, waterlogged, whatever it may be. And then the club played against teams like Bishop's Cleave um, and a few others, Wolves Casuals, I think it was. I can't remember what it was. And that was obviously the business end of pre-season. Yeah. So I missed those games. Uh, so naturally, Ash, you know, the gaffer said to me when I came back, you know, you've been away for two weeks, your fitness probably isn't there. Um, we've got a bit of an idea of our team based on what we've seen. And, and Nat Kelly had obviously come back from a season-long injury. Mm. So I saw in the season before to sort of help cover him because he'd obviously saw a newly at Worcester last season. I was out for the season, so he'd come back as well. And he, he lovely lad, Nat, you know, really good player, top lad. Yeah. Um, so he was in the team. So the first game of the season was um, away at Newark. Mm. And I remember we went all the way to Newark, obviously Newark from, from where we are, good 70 miles. So it's probably about an hour and a half, three hour round trip. So hour and a half there, hour and a half back. And it's a lovely setup, but it is miles yeah. away. Mm. Um, and I went there and, you know, I didn't expect to start, probably didn't expect to play, but I was an unused substitute. Um, and as a defender, when you're on the you're on the bench, it's difficult because you know you're only going to get on if one you're holding out for a win, or two there's an injury. So when you go two 0 down chasing the game, you're pretty much sat on the bench, knowing re- in reality you're not going to get on. Yeah. So we went away to Newark, um, and then I think we played rugby town. Rugby town might have been before Newark actually. We played rugby away in the FA Cup or the FA bars, um, and again I came on with about 20 minutes to go there, but that was because of an injury to Jamie Smith. 
Yeah. So it got to the point where it was about two or three games where I wasn't getting on at all, um, as in on the pitch. So I just sort of spoke to Ash about it and said, look, you know, as much as I'm not an egotist, I appreciate it being away in pre-season. Am I going to get a chance? And he just sort of said, yeah, you will, but you're going to have to bide your time because whilst we weren't necessarily getting the right results, he was quite happy with what the team were trying to do. Yeah. So um, we then played Tiverdale uh, in the week. It was a midweek game, the day before my birthday. That, I think that was the first one at home that season as well, because we had like I think we had about three yeah. away games before yeah. being at home, which was strange. But it was it was the first game back, first home game at Plains Lane. Yeah, back in cost. the city. Yeah. A lot of anticipation from the fans. It was a you know there was a lot of buzz around it, and it was a midweek game as well. And at the time, obviously, the, the crowd was limited to three hundred, yeah. so it was a, a standout pretty much straight away. Um, and I was lucky enough to be picked to play in the starting eleven. And as you rightly mentioned earlier, I, uh, I made a bit of a balls up. So I thought of, I thought I was a bit of a show pony and tried a coy turn in an area where I shouldn't have. I think we've um, all done it, mate. And, we've all done it. <laughs> no, and, and Dan Smith, who obviously is TV at the moment, the striker, good player, really good lad, um, picked it away from my feet, ran on in his top corner. And then we were chasing the game. You know, TV put in a typical TV performance where they put bodies, like bug bodies on the line. And some of them, you know, some of the lads still take the piss out of me now. They still reference it in terms of if they see a nil-nil or a shit house one-nil, they're like, yeah, they've scraped it, they've done the tickly right, Worcester. Um, and we battered them, you know, we probably had 20 shots on target, but it just would not go in. So obviously yeah. on the back of that, it's always in the back of your mind thinking, I've cost the team. In reality, you know, the strikers probably could have scored a few to help me out. Um, but that's football. That's football. Yeah, and then we you played can't, against... You can't really beat yourself up about it, can you? I think it's just a case Absolutely, of you just and you move on. You've got to move on in football. If you if you get hung up on performances or mistakes that you make, you're never going to get anywhere. So you've just got to get your head down. Say you know you'll you'll move on. You won't you'll learn from your mistakes and deal with it. And then I think we played against Warsaw in the FA Cup, beat them. Um, and then we played Romulus in the league at home. And again, them two games, I found myself out of the team. So I'd be drafted into TV. Um, and then obviously I was I was out of the team. So I sort of just spoke to Ash about it and said, look, I'm, you know I'm in a position. I'm 27 years old. I'm not going to be an arse about it, but essentially we give up a lot of time to play football. I want to be playing football. I'm not willing to sit on the bench, if you like. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've got no yeah, no bad blood against Ash. He picks a team that he decides that he wants to win a game, so that's absolutely fine. Mm. Um, but for me, it was just about playing football and then the opportunity to play at Tudal on loan came up. So for me, I jumped at it because it was literally a case of it's the same standard of football, it's the same league. Um, get a few minutes under your belt, get some performances in, get the confidence flowing, um, and then just go from there. And like you talked about, you know, the offer for them to stay at Tibidale materialised. And, and I felt at the time, the way things were going, Tibby were on a good run. Um, good group of lads, as I say, nice guy, you know, got uh, the manager's a nice guy, got a lot of time for the club. So it just suited me to stay there and stay local to where I currently live. And obviously that then brings us to where we are. We had yeah. about eight and a half games, and, and the season was then nil and voided. Because essentially, you, you you have been there since I think it's back end of September, but mm. you've in that time you've you've hardly played because of obviously lockdown. So whilst you've been there, you know, uh, you know, a, a fair decent bit of time, you've barely played any football just because of of lockdown, haven't you, sir? Absolutely. I think I played ten or eleven games for Sydney. Um so it was literally a case of. Whilst, like you say, I've been there for a good probably six months, just some people that don't watch every game or don't know the ins and outs of football, it might seem like I've only been there five minutes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, football moves quickly, doesn't it, mate? Absolutely, absolutely.
So um, I know Rob touched on it just briefly, but in terms of sort of moving forward, what what's the what's the goal for you? Obviously, hopefully we're going to be kicking off in 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 is it September? I think we kick off at this level, August September. August. I think it might be August, sort of mid August. to late August. I'm not 100 sure if I'm honest. So obviously, I think we've got the green light to go ahead for August as it stands. Mm-hmm. Of course, that that's due to change. What's the what's the goal for you this season? Obviously, you want plenty of minutes on the pitch because the, the the thing yeah. that I get from you is that you've been in teams where you've been in out quite a lot. So I'd imagine now you mm-hmm. just want to settle down, be part of an eleven that that you're part of essentially every every week. Absolutely, you know my, my aim is I'm yeah I'm no spring chicken. I turn 28 in September, so by the time the season starts, I'll be near enough 28 if we start in August. Um, so for me, it's about enjoying your football. You know, like I mentioned earlier, we give up as semi-professional footballers a lot of time to the game. So we train twice a week. You know, Saturdays, if you're playing miles away, it's basically taking up your entire day. So you want to be enjoying your time. You want to be playing football. So like you sort of talked, like you mentioned, my aim really is just to become an established member of, of a team where, you know, as much as you have to warrant your performances, I'm not saying it's a given I'll play every week, but I do just want to get my head down and really just have a season where I can just sort of, you know, establish myself, um, make sure that the confidence is there and that I'm happy with what I'm doing uh, and really try and help the team that I'm playing for push on. So, you know, be a benefit to them, make it seem that I'm making a difference, if you like. Yeah, definitely. What one thing I'll I'll do to end on because I'm conscious of time, mate. And thank you for for giving a point on again, mate. Um, one thing I'll end on. Obviously, must have been on a, a bad spell in uh, in the last couple of years and whatever. Um, myself and Ben, um, who says hello by the way, he, I'm sure he's listening. Um, he just yeah. wants. It, so we've watched Worcester. Um, obviously after the point in which you left, and we kept on saying like, oh, we feel like Joe could make a difference here, like recalling whatever, mm-hmm. blah blah blah. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, wants you back, and I won't. I won't. You put. I won't put you in a predicament because you are. <laughs> you are loyal to Tividale at this moment in time. But just give us a bit of an insight as to why it didn't click at Worcester. Obviously, there's been a managerial change now. The players mm. at that level, like Brainy, Dimmy joined a bit later on. Liam Lockett was there for a while. Just really, really good players. Um, and and then I think um, it was the two holding midfielders were there for a while as well. The one still there and one. Moved on. We had Tom. We had Tom to Turton, yeah, Turton, yeah. Um, yeah. And there was so we, another one who arrived as well. And, and like, there was just proper good footballers in there, but it just it didn't click. What what do you think was the reason as to why it didn't click? I suppose you know it happens in football. Sometimes you get the right players in. You, like you talked about, as individuals, if I'm being perfectly honest, at Worcester City, they should be up and you know in the top two, three of that division. Not a problem. There should be absolutely no reason why Worcester aren't there. And you find when you play for a team like Worcester with the expectation of not only the fans but the league, teams tend to want their game. So it's almost yeah. like it's their cup final because they're coming to a club like Worcester that you know are a sleeping giant. They should be leagues above. Yeah. Um, and they're a very, you know, they've got a lot of history. So teams up their game specifically. So you've got to make sure uh, that you're right mentally as well as physically. You've got to be prepared for that challenge and, and really make sure that you are up for it. So yeah. I think it, it was, it wasn't down to anything in particular. You know, Ash, Ash and Marlon and Gaz, the three, three staff at the time, they put a lot of work in to make sure that it worked right. They did the right things at training, you know, the drills, etc. They got us knowing what we were expected to do. So the expectation was there from the management in terms of what the players were doing. Um, and unfortunately, for whatever reason, it just never sort of seemed to materialise, specifically this season on the pitch. I don't know whether it was because 
um, the players felt a bit more pressure. So moving back to Worcester after so long, the expectation from the fans and the anticipation is that Worcester is a bit, you know, the club's probably too big for step forward for the mid the mid comprem. Mm. Um, so if, if I'm being honest, it's probably more of a mental thing than anything else because, like you said, the ability is there. The players individually, some of them should play playing high levels. You know, you mentioned Locko, he's gone to play for Alf Church at step three. Yeah. Um, Dimmy Brown obviously went to Hereford, which is a huge step up and Big he thoroughly deserved that step. Yeah. Um, so I, I would put it down, if anything, just to say that it was the mental side of things. You know, it was it was a lot of pressure for a lot of players that maybe haven't been in and around that environment before. Yeah. So it sort of took its toll and obviously Ash wanted to do things the right way. And all the players there will only say good things about Ash. They'll never say bad things about him. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, you know, football sometimes doesn't work out the way you want it to and, and things yeah. move on. Definitely. And one thing I'll say to end, and, and unless Rob's obviously got anything to say as well. Um, so a bit of a backstory for you. So I went to watch TV a couple of seasons ago because um, obviously it's around the corner from me and Dibby, Dimmy was playing for them at the time. And I think they won a game like something crazy, like 8 nine nil or something. And that result mm-hmm. meant that they won the, the league. And Ben, yeah. who was with me at the time, obviously mass, massive Worcester fan, and um, he says sarcastically, oh, "I'll be at Worcester next season." And this, the season after, like typically, he joined Sorry. Worcester. It was unbelievable. Like I was in the mi- <laughs> middle of McDonald's at the time, like eleven o'clock at night, and he's calling me saying, "Like check Twitter, Dimmy's just on for Worcester." <laughs> and it was probably in that moment, it was like, "Mate, we've got to get a season ticket, and we've got to go." It was, it was crazy. Uh, Rob, is there anything, yeah. anything burning for from you? Um, just, just a bit of like a sort of an out there question uh just say for instance one day you get scouted from you know like a hereford or even like a league two side uh, at 27 now would you consider you know making that move if, if you know of course if you had the ability as well would you yeah just... yeah it's it's a difficult one because obviously if i'm being honest i've i'm 20 like you said i'm 27 near enough 28 um as much as i like to think i'm a good player and i'm good at what i do um, I think I'd be um, unrealistic to expect something like that to materialise. There's nothing, you know, nothing is impossible, I suppose, is the outlook. But from my perspective, um, I play at step five at the moment. My ambition is to maybe, you know, seeing things on non-league, uh, on Twitter, watching games, watching clips. I think if I really push myself and if I was consistent enough, I could maybe try my hand at step three. So, you know, the Starbridges, the Redditch, the Alf Church. Yeah. If things worked out for me right, um, and I, you know, really applied myself and I got myself, you know, really established, I believe that I could potentially play at that level. But obviously, everything happens for a reason. If I never play at that level, I won't be upset. You know, I'll still be happy about the fact that I managed to play at Step Five football. Yeah. My ambition is to play for a, a good a good while yet. You know, whilst I talk about the fact I'm 27, you know, 28 in September. I still think that I have a lot to give for a lot of time. So, you know, yeah, you see yeah. at the steps that we're playing at that are 40 plus and still playing. Well, I'm not saying I'm going to be 40 and still playing because my mission will kill me. Um, <laughs> I am saying that I'd like to give it another push or just really give it a good go for at least another few years and, yeah. and really make the most of my time playing football because you speak to people that have retired or, you know, that are older and played it when they were younger. Um, and they do say they miss playing, you know, that there's nothing like playing football and the buzz that it gives you off, that, off, a, off a match day. So, um, yeah, I suppose my answer really is, do I think I'm ever going to get a move to a club like Hereford? 
no if i'm being honest mm. you know it would be great to have that option but i don't think that's going to happen um but i do believe and i am ambitious enough to if the opportunity comes along at a certain club to potentially push myself as high as i possibly can do yeah yeah and especially while you're enjoying your football as well absolutely absolutely yeah, you yeah. know obviously because semi-professionally it's only part-time you've got to yeah. think about work as well so you've got to balance it up because what you don't want mm. is to get to the point where you can't commit to the time because of work and it impacts your life as well, then obviously you've got to have a bit of a social life as well. So, yeah, it's you know, I'm ambitious, I'll try and get as high as I possibly can, but I don't see a, a club like Hereford coming anytime soon, if I'm being honest. <laughs> no, it's good, mate. You, <laughs> you're know. 27, you you've know. got I, I, like, I think like that's probably the time in which you career you'd want to probably approach your peak, particularly as a absolutely. Thing. Um, mm. you know, like sort of late 20s, early 30s is when like, a centre back is at their prime, isn't it? So, um, no, don't, don't write it off, mate. If you keep performing like you did against Worcester at TV yeah, yeah. a few months back, mate, who knows? Who knows? Loving all the compliments tonight, I must admit, it's a great for me. Mate, <laughs> mate, save this podcast when it comes out. And if you're feeling down one day, play this back. Yeah, <laughs> I will do no, uh, but that's us. That's uh, that's all from us, mate. To be honest with you, really pre- appreciate you coming on. Uh, it's been class to have you as first guest, and just to get a bit of insight. Yeah, cheers, well, thank you. To, to be yeah, here. no problem, Rob. I appreciate you um, you asking me to come on. You no, know, it's an, it's an, it's nice to know that I've been recognised enough to to think it's worthwhile asking me certain questions about football. And you know, I love football, yeah, so when, when I had the opportunity, I sort of jumped at it. But thank you both for your time. I appreciate it. No, it's class, mate. Really appreciate it. I'll uh, I'll speak to you soon. Yeah. Speak to you both soon. See you later. Yeah, see you. Okay, so Joe's Joe's little podcast there. Oh yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that. Rob, what did you make of it? Yeah, well, it was uh, it was an insight, wasn't it? You know, mm. we heard about him being hungover, and, uh, <laughs> and you know, it's a you know mistake he made and everything. But yeah. again, you know, it's it's all part and parcel of being a, a player. So mm. very, very interesting. I, w- I was very, very nervous about asking um, about that mistake that he made against Tividale. And, mm. and how ironic that, you know, he made that mistake against Tividale and then a few months later, or a few weeks later, rather, joins them and, and obviously he's, he's doing really well there. Uh, what was, was funny that obviously I mentioned in the, in the podcast was that I went to go and watch the, the Tividale against Worcester game um, sort of a, a few months ago. And... Um, uh, and you could tell that Joe was just going to have an unbelievable game because he, he had a point to prove, didn't he? He, he wanted to, you know, show in his performance why why Worcester shouldn't have let him go and 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 sort of why he's, you know, playing for Tiverdale now. And he was he was absolutely exceptional on the day. He was really really good. And um, you know, it's always good for him just being a you know a general football fan to see someone doing well after they've got a move to to a new club. And um, you know, from a selfish perspective, I'd probably love him at Worcester still, but I'm glad to see that he's doing well at Tividale. And, and like he says, he just wants to he just wants to play football. Um, you know, and he wants he wants that season where well, you know, he's, he's, he's enjoying he's enjoying his football, isn't he? Exactly, yeah, and and that's what you want, country. isn't it? That's what you want, and and hopefully he can get those minutes under under his belt that he needs, and um, you know, he can keep keep climbing and, and see where that takes him. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah a, he, he's a top class lad as well as a as a as a man mountain centre back and uh, yeah, just what a what a great guy. I don't think we could have had anyone better for the first podcast. Just uh, such a lovely guy. Yeah, yeah, you know, you got to build on firm foundations. Yeah, start at the back. You certainly yeah. have. Very good, very good. So yeah, I hope you well, enjoyed that uh, that a little section. Well, I say little fifty odd minute section from mm, Joe Hawkins. Mm. Always good to have guests on. We've got uh, got a couple more lined up, but we'll maybe delve into that a bit later. A bit later, Rob. Um, ch- shall we move into Rob our 
uh, predictions of last week and, and see how we're faring. Yes. Go on. Go on, then. We'll do that. <laughs> because uh, you, you very kindly sent me what was uh, an intriguing table of our predictions for, um, for last week. Um, um, and uh, <laughs> should, should we start with the top one on the table? Uh, yeah, what do you want to do you want to read out? So yeah, so, so the top one on the table was predicting the Chelsea versus West Brom results. We both predicted yeah. a three 0 Chelsea win. Yeah, we know nothing about football. Yeah, and that is the end of the High Press podcast. <laughs> we are not going to do any more uh, episodes after this, <laughs> as we know nothing. You can never this. ever predict the early kickoff ever. No, no, no. Uh, you'd you'd have to be a fool to to put it on your acker. Yeah, you? you really would. You really would. Um, but yeah, three 0 yeah. Chelsea. For those who don't know, the result was it finished uh, Chelsea two, West Brom five. I'm buzzing. Uh, never saw that coming. But um, yeah, what a strange, strange game of football. Um, we yeah. had we had Leeds versus Sheffield United. Rob predicted 2-1, which I believe was the correct result, wasn't it? Yes, yes, it was. Everyone. Well done. I, uh, I predicted right. a 1-1, um, but Leeds took the three points. Um, you predicted 1-1 for Leicester Man City. I mm. went for 3-1 to City, um, and the final result was 2-0. 2-0 to City, yeah. 2-0 to City, yeah, so zilch on that. Arsenal-Liverpool was probably the big game of the, of the weekend. Uh, you predicted a 3-1 Liverpool win. I predicted 2-0. And the result was 3-0. So, again, both wrong. Uh, Southampton-Burnley. Why wow, we thought this was going to be quite yeah. a low-scoring game. <laughs> and, again, quite the opposite. Finished 3-2 to Southampton. Uh, Rob predicted 1-1, and I predicted 0-0. And then, as we're recording this, uh, Newcastle and Tottenham are currently playing. Uh, Rob predicted a 2-0 win to Spurs, and I predicted a 1-0 Newcastle win. Uh, Newcastle did take the lead through Jolington, um, but now it's 2-1 Tottenham thanks to a brace from Harry Kane so again we're both mm. wrong on that one um, Rob take us through the fixtures <laughs> that we've predicted for that we can hopefully still get right yes yes well the uh, the match I'll be watching today Villa and Fulham of yep. course I've predicted a Fulham win 3-2 um, <laughs> <laughs> of course and uh, Cal has gone for a 2-0 Villa win yep so hopefully that's coming off um yeah, good, good. Hope so. Uh, Man United and Brighton. I've gone for a 3 0 Man United win. Uh, Cal has reciprocated with a 1 0 Man United mm. win. I think it'll be a solid defensive display, and uh, Brighton will, will come close to getting a goal, but they won't quite. Yeah, Brighton with their spreadsheet football. Um, <laughs> it's not really playing off at the moment for them. You know something, and very, very quickly, sorry to go off on a tangent, Brighton. Um, particularly when they played us as well, and um, but I think it's been the theme of their season. They play some some nice football. They get they into do. some dangerous positions, and their xG, as, as that's a conversation that everyone's having at the minute, is like really really high. But the amount of goals that they score from that is basically non like They just need a prolific striker because the football that they play, and if they had a striker who could hit the back of the net, they would be, I would say, sort of touching top half really. Yeah, yeah. Um, wasn't it some mad stat? I think it was the three or four games before the international break. They had something like 66 shots at goal. Yeah, without scoring. Scored, scored about three or... Yeah, yeah, or, it, yeah with that. It's silly. Because when they played us, they missed two penalties and mm. an open goal or two. It was, it was silly. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, moving on, Everton and Palace are gone for a one-one draw. Carlos gone for a two-one Palace win. You know what? You know when interesting. You, you just feel like Palace are going to nick something. I feel like that's going to be a game. I think. I feel like okay. Zaha is just going to turn up. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the last game, I have gone for a two-one West Ham win over Wolves. Carlos gone for a draw, a one-one. Yeah, that's yeah. a big game. That's a big game. That is, I think. Yeah. West Ham need a okay. win there if they need any. If they, if they want to get those ambitions of Champions League football, which will be ridiculous, but um, yeah. I mean, it's achievable currently. It's Very achievable, there. especially after the results of yesterday, particularly Chelsea and, and, uh, and Arsenal mm. dropping points. Well, not Arsenal, they're not in the race, are they? Who else dropped points yesterday in that no. top part? There's another uh, team. Leicester. Leicester, yeah, of course, Leicester. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, big, big games coming up. Um, yes. and I look forward to, to listening to next week's episode when we've got predictions terribly wrong again yeah can't wait for that um, however I just want to divert your attention uh, we're recording this on Easter Sunday okay. mm. and it's time of the year when we look to one man the resurrection of a, of a man with his name beginning with J you're gonna going to say Jack He's going to grace us <laughs> with his presence. He has come back to save us all. It's Jay for Jack. It's Jack Grealish. He is back, everyone. He has moved the boulder. He's out of the cave. He's back with us once again. And with Jack, we will ascend up, up, and up to the uh, European places. <laughs> That's your Easter story. Wow, that, that was well thought of. I quite like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, oh. this this is a point in which we're, we're starting to ramble. So um, we'll, we'll wrap it up. Make sure you... Yeah, I can't speak, Rob. No. I cannot speak. I'm going to start again. Make sure you follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter, the High Press Pod. Um, we, oh, we've put and Instagram. Our... Did I say Instagram? Instagram as well. No, so you what? didn't. You said Facebook. Oh, no, we're not on Facebook, so don't bother doing that. We're, we're on, on Facebook, Instagram so yeah. and Twitter, so completely MySpace. We're on MySpace. Uh, <laughs> Bebo. Join our Habbo Club. Uh, we're on Club Penguin. Um, we've also got Tamagotchis. Join us on that <laughs> as well. <laughs> but yes, sorry, Brilliant. sorry. Yes, we are on Twitter and we are on Instagram, the High Press Pod. Uh, make sure you stay tuned. Um, we have got, Rob, um, and we're not going to give any teasers away because we're going to do this on social so, no. media, but we've got... A big, big guest for our next podcast. B-I-G. B-I-G in capital letters, bold, italics and underlined. Big. Um, We're looking forward to that. So make sure that's a great reason for you to follow us on social media um, so you can get um, first insights as to who that could possibly be. Um, Yes. Yeah, really looking forward to that. That's going to be a brilliant episode. So um, I think that's all for this episode. Hope you enjoyed. Hope you enjoyed uh, Joe's little, um, you know, insight into what it's been to, uh, what it's like to be a non-league footballer. Um, Really, really good insight. And um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll sign off from there. Thanks for listening. Take it easy. And we'll uh, we'll see you next week for more of the Hype. Take care. Cheers. See you in a bit.